So I'm glad to see all of you and other people might be trickling in. So it might be interesting to, before I start talking, to invite you if anyone has something to say or something that's interesting you at the moment or something that you're curious about or that you'd like to bring to the Sangha. Um, please feel free to unmute yourself and offer it or ask it. And also to just sit back. Because it's been our aim, it's been my aim to, even though this is a Zoom space, so we're all in our own homes, um, to allow you to support you in feeling very comfortable being here with your practice, with your body, with your heart, with your mind. So that it's something more than just staring at a screen, but something that we're actually co-creating, something that we're doing together. Because we are, and I can only speak for myself, but I look forward to this every week, actually twice a week. And it really is meeting with friends which is so important now, now more than ever. And it's, so here we are, tomorrow is solstice, right? And which we talked about, this is the darkest day of certainly what has to be one of the darkest years that many of us can remember, at least in a collective sense, though we might have had personal darknesses in other years. This is something that we've shared. And we've been through a lot together. And here we are, the darkest day of the year, and tomorrow at dawn, the days will begin to grow brighter. And soon a new year will begin. But it's that time of year and I must share again as I feel compelled to do every year the Dharma tale of Ebenezer Scrooge. So, make yourselves comfortable. I will be brief, but I need to tell you this little story. So, imagine, if you will, a Christmas Eve, December 24th, many, many years ago. And there was a man sitting at home all alone, as many of us are. But unlike us, Ebenezer Scrooge felt that the company of others was humbug and that it was just a distraction from work. Now this man, Ebenezer Scrooge, who lived in London, which is dealing with its own mess right now, but he would have thought that was a humbug too and just all the better at time to get work done. He was described by Dickens as not just grasping and squeezing and covetous and all these delicious words that convey contraction and bracing. He was described as solitary as an oyster. Don't you love that image? Completely self-enclosed. Completely. You can just feel the armoring 
that comes with that. So he sat there in his house all alone. And of course he had a cold and he was having some kind of thin gruel for dinner. Just anything that was weak and mean and with no pleasure or savor in it. So finally he fell asleep all alone in the inn to his chamber with the terrible clanking and moaning and groaning came the ghost of his former business partner, Marley. And he set up a horrible howling and Scrooge awoke with a start and said, Marley, why are you fettered? And I love that because in Buddhism, the fetters are habits of thinking and feeling. And even our physical postures, they keep us limited and chained. And Marley is wrapped around and around and around with chains. And they're made out of ledgers and cash boxes and all the emblems of his trade. And Marley says to Scrooge, I wear the chains I forged in life. And you, Scrooge, your chains will be even longer. And Scrooge refuses to take in what he's saying. And he said, but Marley, you were always a good man of business. And up comes a terrible howl and a clattering. And Marley says, Scrooge, humanity was my business. Opening to life was my real business. And just, just take that in for a moment because Scrooge couldn't. He just couldn't. He thought his life was about his job and his achievements. And that's it. So he fell asleep. And as Marley had predicted, he was visited that night by three spirits. The spirit of the past. And most of us have practiced enough to know how that feels. Have you ever been sitting or otherwise at ease or maybe lying in bed and suddenly you're gripped with a feeling? or a memory of the past, not just something in your head, but you feel it again. And sometimes you can feel it like Marley's chains. How some sorrow, some wound, some unfinished business from the past, some ache, that you've carried with you, stays with you. And you can feel in yourself the sorrow of carrying this particular limiting belief about who you are. Maybe how lovable you are, how worthy. Maybe how trustworthy people are. And Scrooge felt that. Scrooge saw a glimpse of who he once was and how he carried this posture, this attitude through life until it enchained him with greed, with a need to make more and more and more money. And then came the ghost of Christmas present. And this is an astonishing thing to allow ourselves to be touched by. We all do, if only just for a moment. In Scrooge's case, it was witnessing 
the merriment and feasting that was going on, even as he was alone. And in our case, sometimes I've had this feeling, you can be walking in nature or again alone and just for a moment feel an expansion inside, a spaciousness that life can have joy. That we could put down those chains and just be open to life, to the creation that's constantly being offered to us. And there can be an ache that comes with that. So Scrooge was touched by this, touched by seeing the goodness and beauty of people that he saw all the time and ignored. And he suddenly saw it, their grace, their capacity to open, to receive, and to give. And he was touched by it, but it wasn't enough. He had to see one more ghost. And we know what that ghost was. The ghost of Christmas future. The ghost of the certainty of his death. Of all of our deaths. When suddenly it's so clear what matters and what doesn't so much that we're here together, not to achieve fame and fortune or amass great wealth, but to be open to receive a life that's constantly being offered by creation, to be a witness to it. As Mary Oliver said, I know one thing for sure, that the soul exists and that it's made of attention. It's made entirely of attention. Think of that. What do we pay attention to? What do we pay attention to? And those moments when you suddenly realize just for a moment, oh my God, how have I been spending my time here? In these endless loops or with these heavy chains of resentment and pain and sorrow. So Scrooge got it. He suddenly got it. Oh my God, it's not too late. Because going forward, it's Christmas morning for Scrooge. I can live in a, in a mode of opening, of giving and receiving. I can, I can live this way from now on. This is how we practice. And I'm touched that at the end, Marley, before Marley exits, he takes Scrooge to the window of Scrooge's big, gloomy home and throws open the shutters. And Scrooge sees air filled with spirits, people crying and lamenting because they don't have bodies anymore. They don't have lives. So it's too late for them to know what they might have known, to give what they might have give, given. And we're going to practice that right now in this body. We're gonna take a comfortable seat and remember what the body is for and the heart and the mind, all of us together. So take a seat as you're comfortable. Some of us sitting on the floor, some of us in our chairs with our backs straight. 
upright but relaxed, letting the eyes close if we can. And just let the attention notice how it feels to be here in a body. Without thinking about it, just notice. You're here alive in a body. And let everything happen to you just as it is. Thinking, sensation, impressions. And notice that you can bring the attention home to sensation. To the sensation of being present right now. And see that this attention can be kind, allowing, And notice that when the attention strays into thinking, that you can come home again to sensation, to presence. Notice that there's a stillness here. It isn't a void. It's not absence. It's something full of life, of attentiveness. Notice when you come home to sensation, you don't close, you open, open to life, to air and impressions.
sensations. Notice that this attention that's present holds us, not clinging. But touching us, receiving us. Just as we are. And see that you can come back any time and begin again. Completely welcome to be just like this. Just let everything move through you. And come back to sensation, breathing, presence.
Notice how it feels to let yourself be held by an attention that doesn't judge, that's spacious and warm. And notice as we relax, as we practice this movement of return, we begin to remember that we belong to a greater life. Noticing how alive you are in the body, responsive, sensitive. Surrounded by presence. Noticing how it feels to come home to the body and the present moment. 
and to open. Notice how it feels to receive and to be received. To be seen. can begin again any time. Come back, back to the body and allow yourself to bask in an attention that doesn't judge. That sees receives Allowing yourself to be held by attention and awareness that doesn't judge. A presence that we share.
you for your practice, for your attention. And if you have any questions or observations, we'd love to hear them. Um, I think that I was, when you were going through the story of Scrooge, I was also thinking about his, in his vision of the future, I believe he sees <clears throat> Tiny Tim dead because he sees the results of what didn't happen because of his intervention, but he also sees the cleaning, the charwoman and the undertaker and the, um, uh, the junk man going through his stuff and fighting over who's going to get it and how valuable this or that object is, which is a really sad detail that seems salient. Yeah, it does. In fact, um, um, a line I've heard much repeated um, in joking um, here in this household is when the rag collectors are taking down um, the bed curtains, they're saying, good enough for the likes of me. Good enough for the likes of me. And, and this idea of a life being reduced to, you know, they're, they're talking about how worn the curtains are or something. A life reduced to stuff like that, to just rags. And what's so powerful, it's not just some gloomy um, prospect, is that Scrooge sees that he has a choice in that moment um, between a kind of nothingness, you know, a heap of old bed curtains and clothes or a life that's participating in, in something much greater yeah. and friendships and becoming a second father to Tiny Tim yeah. and, and becoming like a vehicle for life yeah. itself. Yeah. yeah. And we face that choice all the time. And most people, most of us here knows how, we know how it feels. Do have, does anyone not know that, that little shivery shock of like, look at how I spend my time. Mm -hmm. Look at how I spend my time. And those other kinds of moments, like the moments we have when we practice, alone or together or, you know, they just come to us in nature and special circumstances where we really feel like something is passing through or something's being offered to us. How rare that is. Contrasted to the times when we're so contracted like, like Scrooge, you know, grasping, holding. But we, in a sense, we can't help it. And it struck me this week, I wrote to a friend here who um, is a psychoanalyst and was interested in how this attention is different than like a, a really keen analytical attention. And I think it... This is my experience that at moments we can feel held, touched. It's almost like a, a participating in a kind of embrace. It's this return to the body and letting ourselves be seen. It, it has a different quality. That, that's very complimentary. It's not like ranking one over the other, but that there's a sinking down and an opening. That might just save us 
from the rag pickers. It reminds me, Tracy, um, when you tell the story of Scrooge, um, what came up for me is I, I lost my dad this year and my mom passed away a few years ago. And um, it just reminds me or resonates with me in, in the same way that I, I felt after both my parents passed away where there's so much, uh, you know, the main chore seems to be the stuff they accumulated during their lifetime, you know, their affairs and um, what they accumulated and the results of their accomplishments in a material way and, um, and, and so much about it. And then it, it makes me st um, step back and think about what you were talking about, like what, what is it that I value? What is really meaningful? Um, and I don't always make you know, great <laughs> skillful choices all the time. I mean, there are times where I feel like what you were saying, like, oh, you know, what, what do I, what have I spent my time doing or what did I spend my money on or, um, but anyway, that's, that's kind of what came up for me. Like, what is a life really about when, when someone's gone there's, and their stuff takes on so much meaning for some people and um, in the family and for others, not. Um, I know that wasn't entirely coherent, but I wanted to share. I felt it was very coherent, and I could see other people um, feeling that too. Because, and it, it's like it's so interesting because it's true there can be all this stuff, but the when someone first leaves suddenly we can have a very visceral impression of the size of them. Even if it's someone who wasn't of great consequence in the world. And it's like a meteor hit that we have a sense of their presence that's now gone. And so we'll be in front of this interesting, on the one hand, stuff and papers and a house or two or six, you know, and, and a, their achievement or lack of achievement in the eyes of the world. And then this ineffable sense of their presence and how unique it was. And suddenly it feels so big and irreplaceable because it's gone. And it was just their presence. And what it was like to sit with them or talk to them. And I think it's especially poignant um, in circumstances where you have challenging relationships with, with the people that you've lost, um, because there is that big sense of um, absence. And at the same time, sometimes that absence is a relief. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it makes me just realize that um, it's about the connect. I mean, when I think about how other people reacted too to the death of my parents, it's about the connections and and how they were, you know, um, how they affected other people's lives and their children's lives, um, and all that. I don't know. For me, all that the stuff thing is really coming up because I, I, I tend to gather a little bit too much stuff myself. Um, yeah. So I, I just think it's comes down to who we connect with and how we connect with people and. Um, you just told the story of Scrooge. You just <laughs> told the whole story of Scrooge. And the ghost of the Christmas in the future and 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 his redemptive experience. You're you're really talking. I mean, maybe we're all Scrooge in a certain way. You're really you're really describing the story. I, I think that's why it, it yeah, it all resonated with me hearing that story. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, 
Yeah. Yeah, we totally are all screwed. We are. And and also screwed on Christmas morning. And we do. Um, we, I'm just muting people just, just so um, everybody can hear. Um, that it is, it is very complex and alive. And when someone very difficult dies, or someone with whom we've had a difficult relationship, we can feel a lifting of fear sometimes. And that can be very instructive because it shows you how we've been holding ourselves, that bracing, that contraction. And, and that's in that moment or in those moments when we remember, oh, it's so good not to be afraid, to feel this lifting. It, it shows us what it's like to be in relationship and also what we wish for, what we really most deeply wish for, which is to be alive, to be in the world without fear, to be seen, to be met as we truly are without being in battle mode or striving to make our case or our point. So it shows us very poignantly sometimes what our deepest wish is. And confronted by all this stuff, when it's someone else's, it can also show us that wish that there had been more somehow. And not just all this stuff, because that's exactly the way Scrooge lived, right? With his cash boxes and um, bed curtains, not knowing that it was really about breathing and seeing and giving and being present. So what we're haunted by is that feeling, I want to be present. I want to be more often here to be touched, loved, responsive. And at the same time, of course, feeling the, how scary that is. I, I was... Um, touched by what you said about what Mary Oliver said. So I looked it up because it was intriguing to me and touching me. Um, and it's really amazing. Attention is our endless and proper work. Attention is the beginning of devotion. And this is the first, the wildest and the wisest thing I know that the soul exists and is entirely built, is built entirely out of attentiveness. She's so um, right there, pointed about it. He's emphatic about it. Yes, yes, that's yeah. what But um, it's, it seems like quite the proper work to be focused on. It is. Think about it. Like our real work um, is that attentiveness, that openness. And that that's who we really are, not just our real work, but this is who we really are and are, are meant to be. Not just our stuff, not just our ledger sheets. And, you know, including our ledger sheets of regrets. Oh, I, all the things you screwed up. But these moments of really standing open to receive, to be attentive, to allow something to pass through you. And we're, we were so blessed because we've got all these people saying, look, Mary Oliver saying it, Charles Dickens in his way, the Buddha, you know, that this is why we're here. 
for those moments. It's a great relief in a way because we can put down those chains. And just begin again. Just now. And sometimes, sometimes that, that like when you said it that way, it really hit me. Um, put, we can put down those chains. It's, it's like the chains aren't just going to drop. We're going to put them down. <laughs> sometimes that's the hardest. Yeah. yeah. Very hard to but the concept of putting them down finally is such a relief. All, the, all those chains made up of striving moments, you know? <laughs> wow. Chains of striving. Yeah. And sorrow. And, uh, and all kinds of things. But, and the, it's important to remember that this putting down is, is letting be. We're here not to, um, to try to force something to happen, but to just see those chains. If you feel those chains, you see those chains, you feel your sorrow, separation, in a non-judging way, just for a moment, there's an opening. I say the same words over and over and over, but there's something inside you that happens. And this kindness, this generosity, like going back to Scrooge, the first act of generosity is your attention to yourself. Reject nothing. This the feeling of pain or a meanness that comes up, or a, a a sorrow. There's nothing that's to be banished. No orphans. Everything can be met with an attention that doesn't judge, that sees, that holds. And that's when an opening begins to appear. A lightning can appear for a moment, a warmth. Um, I was most struck by the part of the story where the souls are crying. Um, because they no longer have a body. Um, there's something about that that just hit me, you know, like, I don't know, it just, it just halted, halted me to a screech to be present, you know, because it's, I always have to be reminded that this life is temporary, you know, and I don't want to be that crying soul looking back on my life and saying, God, I was so in my head all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. And they weren't crying because they missed all their stuff. <laughs> right. Oh, I miss all my papers. <laughs> <laughs> I miss my cars and my houses. No, but something that they could, something that could happen, something that they could allow to happen. And we can. It's not too late. It's not too late for us. It's not too late. And it's interesting, you know, as we prepare, get closer to closing that, and it's solstice tomorrow, 
um, that quote that I included in one of my dispatches, but I don't even need to quote it. I will speak. I will use I statements that when we do embrace ourselves with this attention that doesn't judge, when we let things be, we bring the attention home. It can feel like a light appearing, a warmth, an ease. And moments before, your life can seem so dark and lonely and you're in a story. But when it occurs to you to just come back to sensation, just try for a moment. It's something can really begin to open to a light and a warmth that's here inside you. It's already here. You have everything you need. Everything. And, you know, as we prepare to sit, I'm just here to say that together we've created a sangha. Even if you've just come for your first time or just for a couple of times, this is a place where you can come. And there's a light of attention here. So much generosity. I'm so deeply touched by all of you, and I'm grateful, so grateful for you. And for your practice and for your giving in so many ways. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It makes something possible that's really extraordinary. Really extraordinary. So let's sit together for one more moment on the darkest day of the year. The darkest day. Putting our two hands together and welcoming the light, this new light. It's coming. It's here. And we don't just keep our practice for ourselves alone. We practice for the whole of creation, for all beings everywhere on every level. May we be a, a vessel, a vehicle for the benefit, the welfare, the happiness and the healing of all beings everywhere without exception. May all beings everywhere be safe and protected from harm and danger. May they thrive. May they have what they need to grow and be sustained and know that they're loved and they're necessary. May all beings everywhere without exception be free. Thank you, thank you everyone.